On the other hand, we want to be in Greater Chennai Corporation schools uh, to build 5,000 square feet uh, farms on the ground that can feed into the midday meal schemes that these schools have been running very successfully over the last 25 years or so. Hello and welcome to the season two of Understanding the Future. I'm your host, Punit Gandhi, and Climate Center for Cities is excited to bring to you a podcast about the future of work in the field of climate change, urban development, sustainability, and innovation. We will talk to experts working on ground as well as in the top management of government and non-governmental organizations to better understand how the field looks like in future. This will help us in preparing to enable climate actions as well as gauge the type of skill sets and jobs that would be required in future to solve complex challenges. If you are listening to it for the first time, do tune into Season 1. Hello and welcome to the Season 2 of Understanding the Future. I'm your host, Punit Gandhi, and today we have with us Mr. Krishna Mohan Ramachandran. He's the Chief Resilience Officer of Chennai City, and he will help us understand about the food security in urban areas. Welcome to the show, Mr. Ramachandran. Thank you very much, Puneet. When we are talking about food security, and I'll directly jump to the conversation, uh, we and specific, specifically in urban areas, Let's start the conversation on the lines of what is urban farming that we are looking at uh, and what what kind of food resources are we talking about? Yeah, um, Puneet, see the whole concept of urban farming has come about because, uh, you know, as part of 100 resilient cities, we've, uh, we've realized that uh, 70% of the world's population is going to be living in cities by 2050. So the question also is, how do we feed these people? Uh, yes, we do have uh, our farms, which are unfortunately uh, being urbanized. Very um, yeah. urban areas around the cities themselves are being urbanized. So we're losing uh, precious farm, farm ground. So the question came up about how do we actually feed these people, particularly the urban poor? And the answer we believe lies in urban horticulture, which is really about using unutilized public spaces, community spaces, and in Chennai and in India, we what we call OSR spaces, open space okay. reserve spaces, okay. to create community farms um, on the ground, or to use the uh, thousands of acres of concrete terrace spaces uh, to, uh, to convert them to green spaces, and use yeah. that also for creating vegetable farms, not just green roofs, but, but vegetable farms. So that is really the concept of, uh, of, um, of urban farming. And it seems to be catching on across the world because it has a huge range of benefits apart from food security itself. It also addresses the issue of climate change uh, through it, it, it addresses the issue of urban heat, for example, it yeah. addresses the issue of, uh, uh, increasing the sponge effect of this uh, of the city as it uh, the city it increases the city's ability to hold rainwater uh, yeah. and put it into the ground very very relevant for a city like like Chennai plus uh, it it also brings the community together in many ways 
for example, in, in Chennai, if you see, the government has been very focused on uh, uh, managing solid waste yeah. by segregating, not just by burning, but by segregating. So urban horticulture is a great way of meaningfully bringing the community around this and saying, listen, please segregate your waste, take your green waste, compost it and put it into your kitchen gardens, you know. Yeah. So that aspect of urban farming is also very, very relevant. And therefore, we believe that in the future, uh, as we look towards 2050, uh, urban farming, if it's accepted across global cities, can yeah. contribute as much as 10% of the agri output of, of this world that we live in. Wow. And 10% is quite a huge number per se, and especially when majority of the people are going to live in cities, uh, that, that will really help us. So let's let's try and break it down, uh, the conversation over here. And uh, it, it sounds exciting that, okay, we can now use rooftop spaces, uh, specifically open spaces that you're mentioning about. And in that case, how was this project thought of and what are some of the targets that we are looking at uh, about this project? Yeah, great, great question, Punita, and something that I love to answer. So, um, actually, the the project was born in my head, at least, when uh, in my days in advertising, uh, flying back into Chennai, I used to look at all the open concrete terrace spaces and say, "My God, what do we do with this?" And yeah. then when I joined uh, the Hundred Resilient Cities Network. We had a tie-up with uh, the uh, University of British Columbia and uh, Dr. Murli Chandrasekhar from there asked me, uh, called me one day and said, Krish, we have international students who are studying city resilience and they need a project. Yeah. Um, can you help us with a project? So, yeah. uh, so this is the project I gave them. I said, what do we do with this, uh, uh, you know, thousands of acres of concrete terrace spaces? And they are the ones who actually laid the foundation for urban farming in, in Chennai. So yeah. what uh, our plan is, is like this. We've, over the last two years, we've created, we believe, one of the most comprehensive urban farming websites in this part of the country. It's called Urban Totems. And it has two components. It has uh, uh, Mottamari Totems, which are essentially rooftop gardens. And then it has Makkal Totems. Now, Mottamari totems or rooftop gardens, we hope to promote through the resident welfare associations of middle income and upper middle income localities. Yeah. So, and the program that we've started for that. On the other hand, the Makkal totems or the community totems are really built around um, the open spaces that I spoke of. And these could be within schools, within colleges, and the Buckingham Canal, so it could be on the on the on the banks of the canals where a lot of underutilized public spaces are are present. So, so these are the two components of the uh, of the urban totem, uh, so Motamari totem and uh, the Makkal totems. And what we have done so far is, on one hand, we've reached out through resident welfare associations to uh, to, as I said, middle income and upper middle income localities. On the other hand, we want to be in Greater Chennai Corporation schools uh, to build 5,000 square feet 
uh, farms on the ground that can feed into the midday meal schemes that these schools have been running very successfully over the last 25 years or so. Yeah. We have also reached out to uh, the vulnerable communities living in Perumbakam, um, which is a resettlement colony. We reached out to about 400 uh, families there, also in Semancheri and in Ururkupam uh, and in Ramapuram. So totally we've reached out to about 800 families uh, in, these, uh, in these localities. And we've reached out to around 52 uh, government shelters for the homeless and Anganwadis, about 150 Anganwadis. Wow. So, so that's where the program is currently. Where we'd like to take it is to cover all the government schools and public schools and colleges that have empty spaces yeah. to look at uh, rooftops and by 2050 cover at least 30 percent of the rooftops in the city yeah. of, uh, of Chennai. We've also got a program to reach out to the corporates and say, look, you've got large campus spaces. Yeah. Utilize what is called uh, hydroponics, which is a more uh, investment oriented form of urban farming in your yeah. campuses. But the returns on those are much higher. So that is the overall plan for urban farming in the city of Chennai. And we're also hoping that this doesn't just remain a program that is run by the by two initiatives of the Rockefeller Foundation. This program is really funded by um, what is called the Adrian Asht Rockefeller Foundation Resilience Center. Okay. We are hoping that the city will pick it up and also we'll be able to establish a social enterprise around urban farming in the future. Oh, wow. That's, that makes it a very interesting component because uh, I could see so many components coming together to develop this whole project. It's uh, You have brought in public, you have brought in industries, you have a funding agency which has helped you, you set up this whole case study so that there can be an actual experimentation on ground. And then you're utilizing the uh, empty spaces. And I, I know about these empty spaces because I specifically come from solar background. I have installed rooftop solar uh, for a couple of years before getting into this. So uh, I have looked into this kind of ecosystem as well. That is it possible that just one, and because I was in Mumbai, the space constraint was very high. So we were thinking and we were trying to develop projects on the line that can we develop hydroponics at the base of the uh, rooftop and on top of it, put solar so that from the same thing, you get more benefit. Uh, while it is very cost uh, intensive, as you mentioned, uh, but how how is it possible? Like, uh, so let's now break it down again into different segments that we have. Uh, one is your whole community engagement. You are bringing a lot of community members together. You have one is just uh, on the rooftop garden, and another is the Makkal totem, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, the community gardens, specifically yes. schools. So how is this whole community engagement of sorts coming in together? Okay. Uh, the, uh, so uh, let me start with the uh, Mottamari Totems or the rooftop gardens. Very clearly, we have a very focused target audience here. We are saying it's the middle income and upper middle income localities. So yeah. I live in a locality like that, which is Kalakshetra Colony, which is on the coast uh, near Elliot's Beach. So okay. we, there is a certain kind of people here who 
seem more inclined towards um, saving the planet, uh, more yeah. inclined towards addressing environmental issues, um, and of course, more inclined to look at opportunities where they believe that they can um, uh, perhaps increase uh, their earnings to a point. So yeah. we've now reached out to, uh, we said the key to reaching out to these, this segment is really through the resident welfare associations. Yeah. So we ran a campaign about eight, nine months ago. It was called Motemadi Champions, where we reached out to through social media and LinkedIn and so on, uh, to resident welfare associations and said, please give us ideas on how do you think that you can motivate your residents to take up, uh, uh, you know, urban farming or rooftop gardening. And um, we got some 50 wonderful responses, uh, out of which we chose 10 of the best. And the 10 Motamadi champions were actually given uh, uh, vegetable garden kits for them to start experimenting at home. We also found that in a way, um, because of the pandemic, a lot, lot of people had turned to gardening uh, itself. So yeah. whether it's on their rooftop or in their balconies or in their, back, or in their back, backyards. <clears throat> so we kind of rode on that. And we are hopeful now when once we launch the, the Totem website itself, yeah. Urban Totem website, that we will get uh, some engagement and traction with this community that we're addressing. On the other hand, the muckle totems yeah. is, is a little bit more, uh, I would say, um, tough problem to tackle because we have to get many people on board, including the government and many different departments within the government. But this is what we've done. We've done a fair amount of advocacy amongst the urban poor to tell them, look, this is what uh, a, a urban farm can do for you, a vegetable garden kit can do for you. We've also conducted uh, virtual classes amongst those who have raised their hands and said, yes, we are interested in doing this on yeah. how to nurture and grow your uh, urban farms in the communities that have adopted uh, the mobile vegetable, vegetable garden program. We have uh, set up WhatsApp groups. So okay. uh, it serves two purposes. One, they can, you know, WhatsApp and ask, uh, if they have any doubts about pests or other diseases uh, that they are facing, or how to grow it better, and also it serves as a, as a medium to motivate each other. So different communities saying, "Hey, you know what? We harvested, uh, you know, three kgs of greens this morning, and we made parupakere with it. So, okay. which is a kind of a dal. Yeah. So, so the that's um, and." We are now planning a capacity building program for uh, for the teachers and coordinators in the Anganwadis that we've yeah. reached out to. Like I said, we've reached out to about 150 Anganwadis and about 52 shelters and to the community's leaders uh, in the vulnerable communities saying, we are happy to run a two-day on-site program for you yeah. that will teach you everything you need to know about, about urban farming. So these are the ways that we've reached out. Uh, I'm, we are on the cusp of it as, as we speak, Puneet. And I'm just hoping that we'll be able to convince uh, the government departments. And there are many who are involved. For example, there's the Greater Chennai Corporation because of the schools. 
that is the Tamil Nadu Women's Development Corporation are very keen on this project because they run a program for the yeah. women's self-help groups that yeah. teaches them vegetable gardening. So yeah. uh, they are completely on board. There is the Tamil Nadu Skills Development Corporation. There is the Tamil Nadu uh, um, Slum Clearance Board that needs to come on board. And of course, the Tamil Nadu Horticulture Department. So to bring them all together, uh, there is a lot of, uh, I think, uh, yeah, intention to come together. But it is a challenge to bring them together. And so we are hoping that in the next 18 months, we yeah. will uh, have a program that is really cohesive and completely engaged with these two different sets of communities that we are talking to. Yeah, and this, that is what I think makes this program very interesting as well, because uh, we are seeing a lot of social groups coming together, first of all, which is already a big incentive for developing this program. At the same time, we are looking at how this food will again help back to the schools in itself. And then uh, you, we see that, okay, there are so many government departments which will come together to develop this food. So I, I do obviously believe here that the challenge is not small to bring so many stakeholders together uh, at one platform, make sure that everyone's interests are taken care of and move forward. Uh, so any other specific challenge are you facing in taking this project forward and how, what are the things that are being thought of to, you know, uh, make sure that this actually becomes a reality and more and more schools will get on board, more and more communities will get on board, RWAs will get on board to support the whole movement. So, Puneet, uh, I'll answer that in two bits. Uh, sure. Definitely, there are challenges. One with the Motamari totems and the other with the Makkal totems. So, I'll start yeah. with the Motamari totems. Um, one key challenge here is really to get people to coordinate and work together. So, in an apartment, for example, you're really talking about uh, common spaces, be yeah. it on the terrace or on the ground. So, yeah. And that's where we believe that the Resident Welfare Association can play a key role in convincing people living in an apartment block that these common spaces should be used for their common good yeah. and that they shouldn't be fighting over this. So there may be the odd person who is not interested in utilizing his terrace space for yeah. a vegetable garden. He would prefer to use it to walk maybe in, in the evenings. Yeah. So, but we need to take that into consideration as well. So bringing people together within a, an apartment or a community uh, and getting them all on board is, is, a, is definitely a challenge, which is what we try to address through the Motomari uh, Challenge campaign. And we believe that um, we have to run with it and address some of the challenges that may come up as and when it, uh, as and when it does. But there are also some very practical challenges here. One is yeah. the uh, uh, you need a building certification to yeah. put this kind of weight on the roof. So okay. each bag will weigh around five five kgs. So if you're putting a hundred bags up there, then it's five hundred kgs. Can the roof really take this? Yeah. So a building certification needs to be done. Secondly, waterproofing uh, absolutely essential. So, and there are various people who provide this, including uh, Asian paints, for example. Yeah. And thirdly, you, 
uh, on water. Uh, we are a water scarce city. Yeah. So where do we find the water for this? Now, the answer to that is it really comes at two levels. One is to address the issue of wastage of water during uh, in these homes, particularly the uh, middle class and upper middle class homes who seem to waste the most water. So we've yeah. run a campaign recently on 10 tips to save water at home. So that's, yeah. that's a broad campaign that tells you you can save water at home. But we have a solution which uh, Tanhoda, which is the Tamil Nadu Horticulture Department is providing at a subsidized cost, which is a simple drip irrigation system that supplies the optimum amount of water to your plant. Okay. So, so drip irrigation is something that we're looking at. So these are some of the main challenges that we face here. The other, of course, is as the movement grows yeah. and the produce and the yield as well grows, can we or should we look at contract farming? So should the whole of Kalakshetra colony, for example, be only growing greens so that it yeah. becomes more economically viable? So those are some challenges that we need to address as we go along. On the Makkal Totem side, the, the challenge, of course, is, um, is working with the government to get them to work together, yeah. but also to convince them that there are some policy changes that are required in order to make this urban farming feasible. So, for example, in Paris, there's a mandate that yeah. all new buildings have to be green roofs. Yeah. There is a... a, a a city in, in Argentina called Rosario, where they've passed a um, mandate that says uh, public, unutilized public land can actually be leased out to the urban poor to yeah. grow vegetables. So yeah. those challenges we need to, to address, and I think it can be addressed, you know? Yeah. And one more layer on top of that, if we can, we can find these underutilized public spaces within the city of Chennai. Yeah. What we'd like to do is actually attach those to women's self-help groups in that area so that yeah. it becomes a source of livelihood for, for them. So, yeah. and one other critical thing that we need to address as far as the muckle totems is concerned is yeah. that there are many well-meaning, you know, uh, companies, corporates, um, and other organizations, NGOs, who have started something but have not provided the budget for uh, monitoring and evaluation and maintenance operations and maintenance yeah now that is an absolutely critical area we are finding so if we are not able to sustain it for them and build champions within the community for the urban farming project we're dead in the water so which is why we've got a very comprehensive monitoring and evaluation program in place we're building a operations and maintenance program as well and a capacity building program so that we're looking at this long term and more holistically. That, that does sound very, uh, I mean, it's well thought through process that you're trying to uh, approach as well on those lines. And uh, that makes me curious, like what is, as you have already mentioned, that you are also looking at it, that can it be a social enterprise? Uh, so what is the financial viability of this project? Uh, how financially viable this can be? Will it always require support from the city or is it actually possible to commercialize socially uh, that 
so many things can be integrated together to make it a profitable project. Yeah, Puneet, uh, excellent question. It's something that uh, we are very, very focused on. And uh, we've taken uh, actually inspiration from two uh, uh, what cooperatives. Okay. One, of course, is uh, Amil, uh, Amul and the other yeah. is Avan. Uh, okay. Both of these are dealing with one of the most perishable items that you can get, which is milk. Yeah. And both of them have uh, done some very interesting things. One is, of course, they've, uh, they've established a collection chain, yeah. uh, which very effectively collects even from a small farmer. So yeah. there are lessons to be learned from that. They've established an excellent distribution channel, right? Yeah. So there are retail outlets right through the city. Plus, they have value added. So it's not, they're not just selling milk at the end of the day, they're selling a whole range of uh, products. So if you look at Amul, yeah. for example, the range of pro products that they're selling is staggering. Yeah. So we want to apply the same principles to urban farming as well. And we believe it is so much more simpler to do it because many of the vegetables that we're growing don't necessarily have to be that perishable, unlike milk. Yeah. or the distances that we need to travel. We are all within the city. So yeah. Urban Totems as a retail chain is something that we are very seriously looking at. Something that will uh, will be an organization, not just an NGO, an organization that, uh, that is run professionally and is financially profitable, but with the right focus. The focus being on people, environment and profits. Yeah. Uh, Profits last but not the least. Yeah. So that is, we believe that if this model has to uh, has to be sustainable, it can only sustain itself if it is professionally run as a, um, a social enterprise. So yeah. we are very clear about that, and that is what we're working towards. We've also found that there are many avenues uh, for women's entrepreneurship, for example. So a program like this helps the cottage industry. So they can weave baskets as, as containers. Yeah. They can create uh, uh, organic fertilizers, organic pesticides, all with products within the city itself. Neem, for example, grows all across the city. And it's one of the best organic pesticides you can get. You mm -hmm. can even harvest seeds and sell them at a profit. So for the urban poor, particularly urban women, there are many opportunities here for, for livelihood uh, generation. And on top of that, there are, if you brand this right, there yeah. are opportunities to value add. So, and capitalize on the current growing org organic market within the cities. So yeah. value added projects like jams, pickles, squashes, uh, sweets and savouries, you know, all yeah. of that which will add to to the margins and therefore provide greater revenues for the for the urban poor uh, is something that an a social enterprise can actually fund, and that can be the social bit of the the enterprise, you know. So, in in, in to sum it up, we believe that unless a professional uh, and uh, uh, financially savvy organization is in place, a program like this will uh, will flounder at some point in time. Yeah.
No, that sounds that sounds true. And uh, like looking at it, that the, the more complex product you are going to make out of it, the better the margins you will get, which is absolutely the point of doing this whole thing at a large scale. Now, just coming to the present scenario of pandemic, uh, what are the major challenges that you're facing as of now? And how is the project moving forward with this whole pandemic? Puneet, um, you know, in many, in some ways, the pandemic put a break on on some parts of the project. Yeah. So in 2020, to try and uh, get approvals, uh, or MOUs signed with the government to proceed with our schools project, for example, became difficult because the the entire system was working very hard to yeah. address the whole COVID issue itself. Yeah. But I think we turned this into an opportunity. So some of the funds that we had, we, uh, as an organization, we repurposed it for COVID relief. So we did uh, you know, the um, dry rations for the for the vulnerable communities. We gave out nutrition kits for children and the elderly. We yeah. gave out tarpaulin um, uh, sheets for the homeless in uh, in North Chennai, so that when the northwest uh, northeast monsoon came, yeah. they had something to shelter under. So that was one part of it. But we managed to repurpose the urban horticulture project itself very nicely. Uh, we worked with a with an organization called Sempulum Sustainable Solutions to provide what we call mobile vegetable garden kits. So okay. these are kits that have uh, five grow bags, vegetable seeds, uh, some soil, uh, some vermicompost, um, some organic fertilizers and pesticides. And we gave this out, uh, like I said, to about 700 families yeah. uh, in living in, in vulnerable communities to um, 52 government shelters for the homeless and to 150 Anganwadis. Yeah. And the response that we've got uh, has been quite positive, not just about how it's supplementing the, the, their, their meals and their nutrition, but also about the kind of mental health and, and, uh, and the ability of, a, of an activity like this to relieve stress and bring some joy into the family or into that community. Yeah. So it's been truly, uh, for us, I would say, uh, a heart, heartwarming experience, uh, this, yeah. this whole mobile vegetable garden kit program. Plus, I must also add that because of COVID and because people were at home, many of them naturally turned to gardening. So they had yeah. rooftop gardens, balcony gardens, gardens in their backyard and so on. Yeah, And that has also helped us establish the fact that Urban farming is is here uh, is here to stay. Hopefully, if we adopt it, uh, yeah. and urban farming is something that we need for the future uh, to meet the um, the challenges of a pandemic like this and to build a more resilient city. Yeah, yeah absolutely, and th that is where my next question then comes is. Uh... Uh, this pandemic and we hope that we get out of it soon but the bigger challenge also comes on the lines of climate change uh, that we are facing now and you are working as a resilience officer so i guess no one knows better than you on the city level how important this uh, topic is so how does this uh, socially we see a lot of good things that uh, can 
uh, we can get out of this. But in the physical urban space, what are some of the major challenges that this will help mitigate from the climate change perspective? Yeah, you know, the two things straight away, it addresses, it can, it has the potential to address uh, food security, which has been highlighted by the pandemic. It also has the potential to address livelihood uh, um, opportunities, once again, hugely highlighted by the pandemic because of the lockdown and how it directly affected the lives of the daily wage earner. And uh, it was brought home to us like nothing else has ever done before. So we believe that urban farming can address the issues of food security and um, livelihoods, particularly for the urban poor. So that is that's one aspect of it. And that, I think, is the driving aspect of it. But if you look at the larger picture, Puneet, yeah. Now look at look at the uh, uh, thousands of acres of concrete terraces that Chennai has. We yeah. can if we can convert them to vegetable gardens to green yeah. space. Um, it has several benefits. One of course is uh, it brings down urban heat, and this has been proved yeah. um, by studies done out of Oruval, which is our neighboring little uh, village yeah. next to Pondicherry, the international village. Yeah, uh, it can increase the city's ability to hold our adequate um, rainfall that we get, yeah. both during the south, southwest, and the northeast. And as you know, um, unplanned urbanization uh, has resulted in our inability to hold our water, and the water then rushes into the sea, and we spend millions. Um, you know, building desal plants to take the uh, seawater yeah. and convert it back into water, into into drinking water. Yeah. So, it we believe that urban farming can actually increase the city's ability to put our rainwater into the the aquifers. Yeah. So this is the, the this is the second aspect. Third, of course, is the related to urban heat. Uh, you know, we all survive on air conditioners. Yeah. So it will bring down the need to run those air conditioners and therefore um, address the whole issue of, uh, you know, um, uh, climate change and global warming and all of that as well. Yeah, I I absolutely agree with the air conditioning point because I have uh, myself seen like with all the rooftop installations we would do for solar as well. Uh, we would bring our, down the room temperature by at least three, four degrees, just putting solar panels on the top. And uh, that was something, uh, uh, if we have something with soil and water in it, I'm sure it will be much higher reduction or that's my estimate over there. So that's there for sure. But now this is something, a personal question, because I'm I'm not someone who keeps a lot of plants because somehow they die. Uh, When I try to keep them, I try to nourish them. Uh, I I can't sustain that whole thing. I don't know what is it. Uh, and I know a lot of friends as well. They prefer keeping a lot of, uh, they're like that it's easier to buy a plant than to germinate the seeds and help mm. them grow. So are you, uh, what is your take on it? How, how is those two processes different somewhere or which is better, which is not? How do you see that? Uh, yeah, Puneet, the thing is that, um, you know, I started out life as a planter. I, you know, I, okay. my first job out of college 
was with a British company called Harrison's in Crossfield. And uh, I was on a, uh, on a plantation that grew tea, rubber, and cocoa. Yeah. The joy of seeing something grow is very different from actually buying something. So, okay. uh, and that is some through our mobile vegetable garden kits. Yeah. It's so many people have discovered that joy, including every member of our Chennai Resilience team. They all have garden kits at home. If they don't have space on the terrace, they've just put it on their balconies. Yeah. But to see that, that seed germinate uh, and follow a simple process to finally harvest a, a cherry tomato from, yeah. from a plant, uh, the joy of that is, uh, is, is very different from just buying a plant. You can do that, but um, I, I would strongly advocate, um, you know, starting from the very beginning. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you also mentioned that how you are aligning with industries and uh, helping them uh, in this whole process as well. Uh, can you give a bit of more highlight on the scene? Uh, that would be interesting to know. Yeah, uh, Puneet, uh, we haven't started the program. We've only talking to industries, particularly uh, in the uh, on the IT corridor. Okay. Uh, because unfortunately, what has happened is that the entire IT corridor in Chennai was built on the Pallikarne Marsh. And <laughs> some of our largest uh, IT companies are situated on the Pallikarne Marsh. So it's an, uh, you know, environmental disaster that has happened. Yeah. But they do have large campuses and they have their hearts in the right places. So yeah. we are saying uh, set up a urban farm but a hydroponics farm on your campus, you have the space. If you don't have it on the ground, you definitely have it on, on your roof space, which is lying yeah. completely unutilized in most cases. Yeah. And use that to, um, like in this case of schools, to feed into your campus canteens. Now, uh, right now, that is, is, is not a very good idea because yeah. hardly anybody's going to work. Yeah. But most IT companies have said that eventually, once the pandemic is done, that they will have at least 50% of their, um, uh, you know, the employees coming back to work. And if you yeah. take an organization like um, Cognizant, for example, yeah. they have over 60,000 employees in Chennai, the city of Chennai alone. Yeah. So one is, of course, what you can, what they can do within the campus but they can also through that motivate 60,000 employees to start this at home. Yeah. So, so that is the program that we are trying to initiate with them and with the help of um, the Confederation of Indian Industries, CII, we are also talking to them. Yeah. And we're hoping to, uh, through these different organizations to establish urban horticulture uh, yeah. within the corporate campuses, uh, yeah. And through them, reach out through employees to motivate them to, bu to build urban farms in their homes. Oh, nice. That, that really sounds uh, fascinating for sure. And I, I hope that once you are out of pandemic, they are able to adopt it so that, uh, yeah, it just makes more sense if it's locally sourced. And I think uh, people don't realize, but something which is locally sourced is always going to be much uh, you know, it has, it will not cause pollution. 
the transportation and everything just goes off eventually which again you're saving on fuel which yeah. brings in much more benefits one a last question uh, that i would like to ask is on the lines that there is a lot of issue with light and uh, heat that our cities face so how can someone make sure that such things are properly managed uh, when we are talking about urban farms yeah so um there are some uh, um low cost measures that you can use for example on on your terrace you can buy a shade net which okay. is not expensive at all and use that during the summer months so essentially during may and june and some parts of july yeah to have a shade net on plants that actually require it a lot of plants actually thrive in the sunlight but some of them don't so yeah. you put those plants under the under the shade net now yeah. for the for the urban poor who have actually shown them that they can use their old saris as, as shade nets okay. um yeah and uh, also to use uh, the um uh, pl- the plastic bottles that uh, throw away plastic yeah. bottles and turn them into mini uh, drip irrigation uh, systems okay so yeah so uh, so these are the ways we think we can address the whole issue of heat uh, and light in yeah. uh, in in city uh, particularly related to our urban farming so yeah and can can we specifically get which plants will grow yeah. in better shade and better light or what kind of water resources yes very thank you for asking that question um, what i'd like to say is that um, if you go to urbanthorton.com which is our yeah. website it yeah. gives you a very comprehensive idea of what to plant during which season and yeah. also what to plant in which part of your house so be it on the rooftop or in the balcony or in the back- backyard oh, wow. so yes it's it's a very comprehensive encyclopedia that we have uh, and it also gives you a planting life cycle yeah uh, and a harvesting life cycle so if you are an urban planning to be an urban farmer and you don't know much about uh, plants or vegetables or greens or herbs uh, this is the website to go to uh, we will make sure that we put that website in our uh, credit show notes at least so that uh, people can refer to it easily uh, because it sounds exciting enough and interesting enough that if there is a readily available resource i think it should be uh, reached out to maximum number of people so coming coming to the uh, last question that we ask everyone on this uh, podcast is the ecosystem you are trying to build what are the major skill sets that will come out and this can be used for making sure that these kind of ecosystem are developed in cities across india or across the world yeah puneet here again our focus is on creating livelihoods for the urban poor so from that yeah. perspective uh, to begin with through the tamil nadu women's development corporation uh, and through our own efforts with sempilum sustainable solutions we are doing capacity building in the area of vegetable farming yeah and we believe that once the urban farming as a concept grows within the city to begin with it offers an opportunity for gardeners 
across the city. Now, yeah. one of the good things about this is that a gardener today in Chennai gets paid a minimum of a thousand rupees a day. Now, okay. consider that against an average payment of about between 500 to 600 rupees that yeah. a daily wage earner can make in the city, be it a domestic worker or otherwise. Maybe a skilled labor will get a little bit more, uh, yeah. maybe 700, 750. But a gardener gets a thousand rupees. So straight away, I think we are creating an opportunity there um, for somebody to earn a little bit more money. It's not very much. I'm speaking in relative in relative terms, yeah. but the opportunity lies there. The second is that it also offers women from the vulnerable communities uh, the the opportunity to create products out of home itself. Yeah. So be it if she's living in a locality that's that has urban farms to use where you know uh, the the produce there to create jams pickles and squashes yeah. that can then sold to a retail chain and here again i'm not saying we have to recreate a, a, a retail chain there yeah. are retail chains that are already in place that that uh, are selling organic uh, produce we can utilize that and connect them up for them to get better revenues so th there is an opportunity there there is an opportunity in creating the retail chain itself in terms of livelihood of livelihood for the for the urban uh, urban poor there are yeah. other opportunities of creating entrepreneurial products such as what i mentioned earlier which are the uh, uh, um, organic yeah. fertilizers organic pesticides and so on yeah oh and one other thing is um, uh, we have a small model here in uh, in where I live in Besanag. It's called Vidya Coffee House. Yeah. So they access food that's really sweets and savouries produced in this locality from housewives and oh, wow. sell it in their shops. You yeah. know. So as the model develops, we believe that we'll find more and more opportunities uh, to give uh, livelihood potential to urban poor, particularly the, uh, the women. That, that sounds really fascinating and I hope that we are able to scale this up as much as possible uh, because the amount of social benefits I see of this kind of uh, developing an ecosystem is absolutely tremendous. Thank you so much, Mr. Ramachandran. Uh, it was an absolute pleasure talking to you and understanding more about how we can bring in food security in our urban ecosystem. Thank you. Thank you very much. Puneet, thank you so much for having me on this program. And I really, truly enjoyed speaking to you. And I hope to, and I really hope that a lot of that, what we spoke of today um, will happen in the future and urban farming can help us build uh, more resilient cities in Chennai and in other parts of the world. Absolutely. Thank you so much. You have been listening to Understanding the Future podcast. To know more about Climate Center for Cities, check out our website www.niua.org slash c-q the show is conceptualized, produced, and edited by Punit Gandhi, Senior Associate at CQ. You can now subscribe to our podcast on your favorite channel, which can be accessed through the credits. Also, don't forget to follow us on our social media for more updates. 
Do share your reviews with us and help us spread the podcast to your friends and colleagues. Do write to us if you would be interested in learning about any specific topics. Thank you and stay tuned for our next episode.